Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. It was a beautiful spring day afternoon. Just came home from school and I would have liked to stay outside to play with the other kids, but I had to study from my geography class. See, um, I was in a middle school. I was in a seventh grade, and geography was my favorite class. Still is. I love maps. For any student to pass any class and have a final grade, the student must have at least two grading scores. We needed two grades so that the average would be made, and that would be your final grade. And at least that's how it was back in the early 80s in Romania. So if you had a, for example, if you had a a, a 10 and an 8, the average of those two would be 10 plus 8 divided by 2, you will have a 9 in your class. And there were no final exams in seventh grade. So the trimester was getting to an end, and a few of us had only one grade, one grading score. And I said, uh, the way we we needed to be graded, you know, you had to either have written examination or oral examination. Quizzes would normally be announced. So the teacher, the professor, didn't announce any quizzes or tests So I did not expect to have a quiz or a test the next day in my geography class. What I expected was to be called up and ask questions. That's what they would do. They'll call your name, come right here, you'll ask questions, you'll answer. Based on your answers, you'll be graded. That'll be your grade. So, uh, as I said, it was a beautiful day outside. But I love geography so much, I chose study rather than going out to play. At night, at night, I went to bed confident that that I know my geography lesson and I'll do well the next day. In my sleep that night, I had a dream that I will never forget for the rest of my life. And I shared that with you once before here, about three, four years ago. In my sleep that night, my dream was set in my school context. It seemed as if I was in my classroom during recess and a faculty, uh, 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 no, I would say a staff came to us right before that geography class and asked us for unknown reasons to move to across to to a class a classroom across the hall we did this is in my dream geography professor comes in he pulls his class uh, roster and begins to call up those who needed another grading score i remember the exact location where i was sitting in that classroom and i remember how he began to call out people alphabetically by last name Only those who needed the extra grading score. This was the last class time period for the trimester. So this 
was the day I should be called up. It was in my dream. It was very important to me. I was anxious. In my dream, I remember him calling people alphabetically. Mokanu, Radu, and I knew the next was Serban from letter S. But he accidentally grabs two pages on his roster, skips my name, and he goes to Toma. And I was confused and upset. And then I woke up. Whew. I'm glad it was just a dream, right? I said, wow, God is trying to tell me something here. That's very important. So next morning, that Thursday morning, I got up. I, I was going to school in middle school because we only had one school building. So elementary classes, elementary kids will go to school in the morning. And middle school uh, kids will go to school in the afternoon from 1 to 6. So I got up in the morning and I reviewed my lesson again. I said, whoa, maybe the Lord is trying to tell me something. Went to school that afternoon, and at the end of the recess, right before the geography class, there's a staff who comes and says, hey, you guys, you got to move from this classroom to this one across the hall. And immediately, I felt that things seemed familiar as they happened. Of course, I just dreamed them the night before. It felt like I was in my dream. We moved into the class across the hallway, just like I did in my dream. Interesting. I ended up sitting at the same desk I was sitting in my dream the night before. By this time, I began to wonder if I was sitting in the dream or I was uh, awake. So I, I, I pinched myself. Ah, it's real. Geography teacher comes in and tells us he, that, you know, this class period is very important for some of us that have one grade. And uh, he pulled his class roster and began to call up those who needed an extra grading score, who needed today's examination. And he did it alphabetically by the last name, just like he did it in my dream. By this time, I was puzzled. Again, it seemed so deja vu. I did not know if I was living in reality or if I was still sleeping. So I pinched myself again. I was like, this is real. This was reality. As he called the names, he comes to Mokanu Radu. Same names he called in my dream. And now I was really, really nervous and anxious and stressed. Waiting for my name to be called. But no, my name was not called. He accidentally grabbed two pages with the exact hand movements he did in my dream. He calls Toma. And I was left the only student with no possible average score for that class. Interesting to say is an understatement. I was puzzled. My dream was fulfilled to the tiniest, closest, minutest detail of it. I know of another man whose dream was 
partially fulfilled and is actually fulfilling as I speak. But before we open God's word, let's bow our heads to pray once again. Dear Heavenly Father, we now want to open your word. And there is a message for us today. And I pray that as we leave this place, we will be watching for you. Because you will show up. You are there. We just need to watch for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you guess whose dream was partially fulfilled and actually fulfilling as I speak today? It's in the Bible. It's on the screen. Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, King Nebuchadnezzar. Welcome back to our 2020 sermon series, Staying Sane in an Insane World. Last week... We talked about expecting a miracle. How do you stay sane in an insane world? We learned from the first chapter, by the way, I got feedback and many people thought it was about food. Though food is very important and how we eat is very important, it was doing the right thing, committing to God. That's what Daniel did. He chose not to defile himself. And in the, very first ver- in the very next verse, God says he found favor. God made him find favor in the sight of his boss. And then God made him ten times wiser. So when you do the right thing, expect a miracle. That's the first thing we learned uh, two weeks ago, in fact. Today, watch for God. At camp meeting, I work with the junior department and with juniors there. And every year, we give them a wristband. And on the wristband, it says, watch for God. Why? Because we want them to watch for God, how God shows up in their life in unexpected ways. Because he does. Watch for God wristband. See, King Nebuchadnezzar came to the throne on the peak on the peak, on the climax of Babylonian empire. His empire was growing, and along with that, his pride and arrogance was growing too. He really believed to be the king of the world, and since the Assyrian king that was dethroned by the Babylonian, the Assyrian king used to believe that he was the king of the universe. Now, since Babylon took over Assyrian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar thought that he was the king of the universe. And there were a few coup attempts, attempts, you know, those activities that wanted to dethrone him, but he, being such a wise king, he put them out really soon. And one night, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And when he woke up, he could not remember it. Frustrating, isn't it? Have you ever dreamed and woke up the next morning not remembering what you dreamed? 
You did not even have a good night rest because your mind was preoccupied dreaming. So you're tired and lightheaded, and on top of that, you can't even remember the dream. That's frustrating. I know I had some of those mornings. But for Nebuchadnezzar, besides the fact that he was tired and restless and lightheaded, for him not to remember the dream was a big deal. See, in the ancient world, they believed that their gods and deities communicated with them through dreams. Do you remember the wise men of Chaldea, the wise men that came to Jesus in Bethlehem? They were Chaldeans. They were from southern Mesopotamia or now southern Babylonia. They came to Bethlehem via Jerusalem. They met with Herod the king. Then they found Jesus. They worshipped him. And the Bible tells us that they were, uh, they were warned in a what? In a dream. They weren't in a dream to return to their homeland another route, avoiding Jerusalem. And they obeyed. They obeyed. For them, dreams were a big deal. When your God tells you what to do in your dream, you don't comment. You just do it. So they followed the instruction given in the dream. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, he is warned in a dream to leave Judea and flee to Egypt for safety. And he does. He takes Mary and baby Jesus and they move to Egypt until he is told again in what? In a dream that Judea is safe and he can return back home. And he follows the instructions that were given in the dream. And for Nebuchadnezzar to not know what he dreamed was not just frustrating. It was caringly necessary that he, know the, that he knows the dream. He knew that the divine powers tried to communicate something, tried to communicate a message to him, and he's missing it. He has no way of following or interpreting the dream because he can't remember the dream. And he calls, he calls on his people to help him out. I mean, what would you do? I imagine if the President of the United States would be in such a desperate situation, he would call his advisory committee, right? So Nebuchadnezzar calls his advisory committee the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, and he tells them in verse 3, Daniel 2, verse 3, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. And they answer, tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Wait a minute. I ask you to tell me the dream. Now you tell me the dream and its interpretation. Whew. I really need to know this dream. And he becomes nervous and anxious and angry. 
Daniel 2 verse 9, therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces. And he meant what he said. They all knew that. They knew they were in deep trouble. They persisted in saying that they need the dream in order to give its, interpre in its interpretation. And Nebuchadnezzar kept saying, I don't remember the dream. We have a problem, guys. I have you here to help me. Why can't you help me? And finally, in verse 10, the Chaldeans acknowledge their limitations. They say, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. It is difficult what the king requests. And there is no other who can tell it to the king except... Oh, there's an exception. Yes, there is an exception. Except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Nebuchadnezzar is extremely angry at them. This is unacceptable. I paid you and trained you and fed you. And you can't help me when I need you. He gave a command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. In the meantime, Daniel was ready to go to his office when Babylonian troops stopped Daniel and say, you're under arrest. For what? And a few of them, a few of those troops, go into Daniel's neighbor's house and kills him. What are you doing, yells Daniel? Why do you kill my co-workers? When he was told what happened, Daniel asked permission to go see the king. So Daniel comes into Nebuchadnezzar's court and asked for, what did he ask for? Time. Verse 15 says, ask the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Time? Really, Daniel? Time? How could you ask for that? Back in verse 8, we have a king frustrated with his advisory committee. He said, for I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. However, what Nebuchadnezzar did not grant to them, he granted to Daniel. Time. It's Daniel chapter 2. It's about time. Now, what did Daniel do with his granted time? He goes to his three young Hebrews friends and they seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret. In other words, they had an all-night prayer meeting. Yes, they had an all-night prayer meeting. 
Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision, and he gave praise to God and said, I thank you, I thank you and praise you. O God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and might. What is a vision? A vision is a dream, or like a dream, except it has a message, and in many cases, a prophetic message. Visions come with messages to be shared with those around. Prophets had such dreams called visions. So Daniel is ready to go to the Babylonian king. When he entered the royal court, I can see Nebuchadnezzar, can you, in your mind? I can imagine him. The king asked him if he is able to do what he required of him. And Daniel, like the magicians, astrologers, and Chaldeans said, No, I am not able because what you requested, O king, is beyond human abilities. They are right. Really? Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has been known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be when? In the latter days. Then Daniel reveals the king his dream with all the details. And I can see Nebuchadnezzar just like me when I was living my dream. I could see his excitement. Daniel said, you, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. This image... This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That's the dream, my king. Do you want its interpretation? Of course I do. Then Daniel reveals to the king the symbols of the dream and what the medals represent. Five successive imperial powers in the course of history that affected God's people. You, O king, he said, are a king of kings, you are this head of gold. Babylonian ruled from 605 to 539 BC and it matched perfectly the character of that empire. Gold was predominant metal 
in, in Babylon. But after you, Daniel said, shall arise another kingdom. Your kingdom will be divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. The Medo-Persians ruled the world from 539 B.C. to 331 B.C. when it was taken over by Alexander the Great, the Greek Empire. He says, then another, the third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. So we got so far Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Roman Empire ruled the world from 168 BC to 476 AD. Then Daniel reflects on the following kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar thinks about it too. And Daniel says, whereas, <clears throat> whereas you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. He is speaking of the divided Europe. He is speaking of the barbarian tribes that took over the Roman Empire. They became nations of their own in Europe, but never became a united kingdom to rule the world. There were attempts to unite Europe, but it was and it will it wasn't and it will never be successful. I know because I came from that part of the world. You can't really unite Europeans. They all have to have their own little nation. And Daniel concludes his interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And in the days of in the days of these kings if I move right here. In the days of these kings right here the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. In verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Did this come to pass? What makes a dream a vision? We said that earlier. It has a message, a prophetic message, and it came to pass to the very letter. One more thing, one more thing has to happen, right? Now, New International Version, NIV version of the Bible, Daniel 2 verse 45 says, this is the meaning of the vision of the rock. As I stated in the beginning of this sermon, we ought to watch for God. 
The emphasis in this vision is the stone, the stone that is cut out without hands. It destroys all other kingdoms and it becomes an everlasting one. I want you to look at the picture on the screen. My friends, this vision is not Marius' story, it's not Nebuchadnezzar's story it's, or Daniel's story. This vision is about his story. That's why we call it history. He changes times and seasons. Whoops, I just moved that. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. The stone is God's kingdom. Who is the king of God's kingdom? Jesus. May I even go further in saying that the rock is Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For they drank of, whoops, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. A rock or a stone has a humble look. It's not like gold or silver or bronze. It has a humble look. But have you ever thought that the rock is all these minerals come from? A, a, a rock is humble in its look, especially when it's not fine cut. And that reminds me of Isaiah oops, 53, verse 2. He has no forms or godliness or form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him talking about Jesus. But the stone can outlast all other metals mentioned in this chapter. Do you remember or can you think of any other event in the Bible where stone is cut out without hands or I should say cut by God's hand? Do you remember? Yeah? What could that be? Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Interesting. They last forever, just as His kingdom lasts forever. What you have on the screen is actually the oldest known Ten Commandments tablet picked up in Samaria, and it was sold at auction in 2018, I think, for 850 millions in Southern California. Now, last week, I told you that in Daniel, you will expect a miracle at every turn in the book of Daniel, and every chapter has an element of surprise. I want you to count the kingdoms in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. How many were they? Gold, Babylonian Empire, silver, Medo-Persian Kingdom, bronze, the Greek Kingdom, 
iron, the Roman kingdom, then iron mixed with clay, modern or divided Europe. So how many? Five. Then the last one, the everlasting one, is the stone cut out, cut out without hands and is God's kingdom. How come? The sixth one, right? In the Bible, God is always number seven. Why is God's kingdom the sixth one in Nebuchadnezzar's dream? It is the sixth kingdom because he is communicating a message to a Babylonian king. Does number six have any significance to Nebuchadnezzar? Certainly so. Most of us may not be aware that Babylonians, or better said, Chaldeans, are the inventors of the sexagesimal system. And as the name sounds, it is based on number six with its base as 60, number 60. I grew up with the decimal system based on number 10. You know, and we use them 10, 20, 30, all the way to 100, 1,000, 10,000, and so on. The problem with the decimal system is that it's not as accurate. It has only two integer divisors, 2 and 5. Chaldeans, who are the wise men who came to visit Jesus, uh, they invented the sexagesimal system. It is based on number 60 and has more integer divisors, like 2, 3, 4, 15, 5, 12. That's just a few. The numbers will make more sense in my next sermon, chapter 3 of Daniel, when he raised that, uh, that image in the plain of Dura. For now, we look at a system Nebuchadnezzar was familiar with, sexagesimal system. We actually use it in our daily lives. What shape is a pizza, to make it very common? Traditionally speaking, it is a circle. The circle of pizza with six slices of 60 degrees each. Another invention we carry in our modern times is how we measure our time. Interesting, Daniel asks Nebuchadnezzar for time. The vision is about time, and here is the old Babylonian invention, time measurement. How many seconds do we have in one minute? How many minutes in an hour? How many hours in a day? Not 60, 24, yeah. I wish, I wish, I wish we had 60 some days. But here is what Nebuchadnezzar knew. He knew that when you count your minutes and you reached 60, the hour is gone. You start another one. He knew that when you count.